0: Cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Listen baby. Your future is yours. You can be anything you want. You know those people that you see every day that look like they have their shit together and they made all the right choices. ...and how impossible it seems just to get to that place. Well, look. Look at you. You look like one of those people. And all they did was put on the clothes. And honey, you can be anything you want to be. Seriously. But also, if you just get a job and get by... ...you're still going to love your life. Because life is good. Even at its worst.
0: You came here just to say that to me.
1: Why? Was it shitty? I thought it was gonna be good. It wasn't shitty. You liked it. Mm-hmm. I love you. I love you, too. I love you too. I love you.
0: There is nothing shitty and so much to love about Pamela Adlon. It's the last laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast. I am so delighted to be joined this week by the hilarious and insanely talented Pamela Abbott. Next week, the fourth season of her show Better Things is premiering on FX. It has been one of my absolute favorites since it first debuted just a few years ago and somehow just keeps getting better. In this episode, Pamela breaks down what you can expect from the new season and opens up about the fascinating career path that brought her to this point from her first-ever film role at age 16 in Grease 2 to her Emmy-winning voice work as Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. And yes, we do get into her complicated creative relationship with Louis C.K. later in the show. Before we get to the interview, I want to give everyone a heads-up that after this week, we are going to be taking a short hiatus. Believe it or not, we have been doing this podcast non-stop for about a year now and need to take a little break but we will be coming back even stronger for year two in just a few weeks. So stay tuned for that. I want to take this opportunity to thank our producers, Scott Porch and Jason Smith from Starburns Audio, and the indispensable Mackenzie Mazell who engineers and edits every episode. And of course, all of the incredible comedians who have come on the show, and you guys, the listeners, who have stuck with us from the beginning. With all of that in mind, this would be the perfect time to go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. Please let me know who you want to hear on this show when we return, and we will do our very best to make that happen. You can also go to ratethispodcast.com slash laugh to rate this podcast wherever you listen. All right, let's do this. Here's my conversation with Pamela Adlon.
1: Yesterday I did Big Mouth at Margarita Mix, and then... I went from one room to two rooms down and I did my bumpers.
0: Is that your first time doing Big Mouth? Have you done it before? I
1: haven't done Big Mouth.
0: Oh, that's so fun.
1: I have no idea.
0: Yeah. I know they're working on like yeah, they're working on multiple <laughs> at the same time or they cuz they they got picked up for like three more. They're working on Oh. So they probably have to just constantly So I think they're working on like 4 and 5 at the same time right now. Sound good?
1: Um I oh do you want me to have this? Is this Only better? Only if you want. Okay, Only if you like want... it. Um I all I know is that I was dying to do it. Like yeah. I I know that like I was up for being a hormone monster at a certain point. Oh wow. And then that went away and then this this part came up I'm a love bug. Mhm. And um I just think the show is so brilliant. Yeah. And Erica, who works with me, she's a grown woman, and she says she learned, learns so much from the show. <laughs> but the animation is so
0: good. Yeah, it's a really great show. It's, it's really like, good. It's like better than it you would think it should be. Yeah. <laughs> I really like it. Um, but I love your show. Thank you. And I just got to watch the first six of the new season. You did? Yes, which okay. was amazing, as always. It's but, so uh, <laughs> fun
1: to to talk to somebody who knows what i've just
0: put out you know um no it was was really really wonderful and i i've loved the show from the beginning um but that's awesome it's just i feel like it just keeps getting better so i i I love it um thank you the first thing i noticed uh that we might have in common from the first episode is a a shared love of la rain which is a a special thing which is a rare thing but uh (laughs)
1: I I just you capture re- it well. The, you know, it's so funny because people do when it rains here. They're like, "Oh, the weather's so shitty." I'm like, "Are you insane?" Yeah. What What is shitty about this? <laughs> but I was very inspired by all the rain that we had last year. Yeah. Because to me, I felt like it was almost like I did a rain dance and I caused it mm-hmm. because I was in I was in quite a bit of agony because. We were in a fire area and mm-hmm. we had to evacuate yeah. and it just felt like the world was on fire for a long time. Yeah.
0: Did anything happen to your house or you just had to no, evacuate? No, thank God, God we're it, okay. It did, yeah, that's good.
1: I mean, when we had to evacuate, I remember my mom calling me. And she lives next door mm-hmm. for real. And she said, uh, the The fire's at the scurble. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. And one of my daughters was on her way to school Mm -hmm. already. And I said, you got to turn around. You're not going to get on the 405. And so we all had to pack up. And I kind of just stood in my house and I looked around and I was like, what do I get? And the girls were frenzied. They were like getting all their vinyl and all their clothes. And I just stood there and I went, okay, all I want is the girls, Mm -hmm. the dogs, the crazy lady who lives next door, (laughs) my mother. And I was like. I'm going to grab the passports, my computers, and that's it.
0: Yeah, it really puts it in perspective of what you actually, because in, in in the abstract, when you think about it, you're like, oh, I would need to grab all this, these things, and yeah, I'm sure in the moment. Yeah,
1: I'm looking at the painting in my bedroom, which is uh, twice the size of the room that we're sitting in mm-hmm. right now, and I'm like, well, I can't take her, <laughs> yeah. so and nobody would be able to get that out. It would take no. hours, so yeah. you just kind of look at, what you have and say what am i scrambling for Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you want your family and you want to be able to get the fuck out of the country if you need to (laughs) yeah Yeah. um
0: so going into this uh fourth season of better things were were there kind of besides the rain were there big ideas or themes that you were like i really want to try to explore this this season
1: yeah i i did i i feel like i had themes This season for the first time, Mm. you know, and I put on the storyboard, like on the tiles, I just wrote certain things. One of them was divorce is contagious. (laughs) Um, On another tile, we wrote togetherness. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Another one, couples together. And uh, another one, rain. Yeah. And another one, forgiveness. Mm. Those were my themes. Yeah the season.
0: And how how did you how did how does it go from those cards and those themes to, you know, stories?
1: Um it's, you know, it it's so interesting because we we all start talking in mm-hmm. the room and we'll start a day, I'll say, what are the five most uncomfortable things that have happened to you regarding your uh sobriety, your kids, your this, mm-hmm. your that, you know, to each and every one individually. And so um, you keep looking back at those cards and say, uh, what does this go to? And then you forget about those initial cards. Mm -hmm. And somehow the season all intersects and comes together. Oh, my God. Well, this is incredible to see this shake out in this way. There's something that happens in the finale um, which uh, goes back to two seasons ago Oh wow. and um, being able to kind of uh, connect everything in an organic way is the most fun game mm-hmm. for me yeah. as opposed to it being extremely clinical mm-hmm. and we need to insert this here and insert this here and you know um, the 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 connections are like living breathing things and then It's a discovery for me. Oh, my God, this is all working because of that
0: Yeah, and that. Yeah. I mean, you've given yourself a lot of freedom with the show, too, I think, because it kind of can be anything and episodes can be anything in terms of tone and in terms of, um, you know, story and who's who's in which episodes and -hmm. all of that. Um, There was a quote that I read that you said, um, I always have to remember that my show is a comedy. Yeah. Um, Can you talk about that a little more and how you... Because it is a comedy and it's very funny, but it's also sometimes not funny and it's sometimes very emotional. And and it does, you know, which has become, I think, somewhat of a trend in recent years in in shows of of doesn't have to be all one thing. But I think your show really exemplifies that.
1: Well, uh, it's the case with everything. Uh, I feel like everybody is a little bit hobbled by extremes Mm -hmm. and labels. Yeah. And so this is kind of one of the final frontiers of labeling is, um, you know, television. Mm -hmm. And it struck me years ago when I was at the Emmys. And uh, I think it was House of Cards was nominated. uh, And I was like, wow, that's not even a tv show yeah this isn't even television anymore mm-hmm. and so that's one thing yeah that's, not even
0: comedy drama but just whether some like what is television
1: exactly yeah. like it's all this weird anachronistic mm-hmm. bizarre like so you're a comedy you're a drama mm-hmm. uh best actress best actor yeah. i mean how
0: i can't believe that that's still going The best you know actress, what i mean best actor.
1: <laughs> Like, I mean, and it's just—it seems incredibly unfair. Like there was one yeah. one season where Orange Is the New Black was a drama, and then they switched it to mm-hmm. a comedy. So I don't know what assignation I would give my show. Yeah, but I I've always say it's the incredible feeling show. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever you want to call it, I I just think that there should be new. Non labels Mm -hmm. for things like it's a show, you know, it's, it's, it's a show. And what I'm trying to make is just something great filmically to Mm -hmm. get invested in that, uh, you know, I like things to feel real and authentic and I like things to look cool Mm -hmm. and I like things to sound cool, like in my aesthetic. So, um, but when we're shooting the show, You know, and like half my crew's in tears and Mm -hmm. I'm like, you guys, we're not making a comedy. (laughs) But um, I remind myself, uh, I have to remind myself because if I have a bunch of kids on the set Mm -hmm. and we're shooting a scene I'll kind of step out of myself and think, "Oh shit, this is a Nickelodeon show right now. <laughs> I have to switch it up mm-hmm. and get raw and spiky because this is that you don't want to better th- things drift show. into that exactly. If you know you have something there, when I have my scripts, all my anxiety goes away mm-hmm. um, until they start, you know, beating me up about my budget. <laughs> but yeah, that's another story. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, Well, one episode that I loved that I'm sure stretched the the budget was the New Orleans episode, which I know we probably don't want to spoil anything about it specifically. Right. But I did want to ask what it was like to go uh, shoot in New Orleans because it's just there's so much life in that episode. And um, oh, God, I beautiful.
1: I I thank you so much. I I love I love it. So it's one of my favorite things I've ever done. You know, it's my love letter Mm -hmm. to the city of New Orleans. Yeah. And then I got to put these different storylines in there. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something that's been uh, kind of driving me with the show. Like last season, I wanted to shoot at the Apple Pan. I mm-hmm. was desperate to shoot <laughs> there. Yeah. And uh, my first AD, Sally Sue, was begging me. She was like, please don't. Can we, because we block shoots, so mm-hmm. it's all about locations. Yeah. And we're going to be like way in the valley. Like yeah. can we go to Pasadena? Can we yeah. go to Pine it Burger? It's just way out of
0: the way and way exactly. too difficult. Yeah. And
1: yeah. And I I was like, well I don't have a connection to Pine Burger. I have yeah. a connection to Apple Pan. Yeah. It's one of the first places I went when mm-hmm. I moved to California with my family and it's still there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fought all these behemoth buildings and it's this little tiny yeah. house. And so um it was that for me with New Orleans, I was very inspired by the city when I went there and I went there for my friend's wedding mm-hmm. and I kind of put a wedding there. And yeah. Was um, that
0: your first time going for the no, in real life for the wedding? No, it
1: wasn't. Uh, it was my second time mm-hmm. and my third time going was shooting yeah. the episode there, but we shot half of it in L- in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I was wondering about that. But you I mean, but you can tell that you're there in New Orleans too. Yeah. Um how long were you there shooting? 3 days. Yeah. Wow. You must have had to do a lot in those it was 3 days. It was
1: king insane. Yeah. It was crazy. Like I I shot <clears throat> this one day we shot a uh, scene at Preservation Hall. Mm-hmm. And then we ran out and, and I shot this scene on the street in the French Quarter stepping over the guy who's half in mm-hmm. and half out of the store. Mm-hmm. Um, then I ran into that store, changed my clothes, and had to run down to Jackson Square while pulling my pants up. <laughs> and I got out of the van and I uh, Andre, who was one of my uh, PAs, he just said... three, two, one, and... And then it was me with second line running through the streets and my first AD, Maria, hands me a beer in the giant cup. It was nuts. That is
0: wild. And I
1: had no idea what I was getting into.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. Um, one of the other real pleasures of the show has been watching the three actresses who play your daughters, you know, grow up over time now mm-hmm. um, over these past few years. Um, what has that been like for you to kind of work with them, cast them from the beginning and see where they've, you know, sort of how far they've come and how much they've grown up um, uh, it's, on the show?
1: It's really cool. You know, um, my my real life daughters helped me pick yeah. their kind of, yeah, kind of, would, of counterparts, yeah. quote unquote. Um, and it's shocking to see how much Olivia has changed, mm-hmm. and it's it's really fun because I, you know, what I just am realizing something right now. When people binge watch the show, they're actually seeing yeah. these kids
0: morph. Mm-hmm. That Very is so quickly, yeah. cool. Yeah, Olivia is the the youngest, the baby. Duke, yeah,
1: yeah. So, um, you know, they just have whatever they have learned becomes their tools. Mm-hmm. And, um, I guess the person who changed the most from season one to season two was Hannah, mm-hmm. because I plucked her right out of the Bible belt and really threw her right into, <laughs> you and know, she
0: not acted before
1: she had acted. She played the young Cara Delavine in this movie called paper towns. Mm. And, um, but she was really you know just this raw clay yeah you know and she plays frankie yeah Yeah. that's right and so you know where she went from season one um to season two which her first scene was the bar mitzvah episode where she's kind of like breaking me Mm -hmm. down in my ear yeah um was incredible listen i have some ideas for jobs you can maybe look for when your career ends horribly like you could work at McDonald's as a vomit cleaner. Or or you know those places where they take everybody's shit in the whole city and they chemically separate it into fertilizer and hmm. drinking water? Hmm. Yeah. You could work at one of those. You could be a shit sorter. That would be a great job for an old bald lady. Right?
0: She's incredibly tough, the character. <laughs> she
1: is, and she does not like to be mean to me.
0: Really? So um, you have to force her to be mean to you?
1: Yeah. Last season when her character ran away, um, her dad, Clay, and I had this conversation and Clay said, I think Hannah's having a hard time being mean to you. <laughs> and so I had to say That's to her, sweet. Hannah, it's not me. Yeah. And, you know, it's just we're just telling a story. Mm-hmm. And uh, but still, you know, she's she's just such a kind hearted person. Um, but yeah it's really been um a- incredible being able to help these three girls get to the places that they've they, they are mm-hmm. and to um really kind of um make these characters with them and and support them
0: in in their journeys you had never directed before better things right <laughs>
1: um I actually, I had directed, mm-hmm. um, but my own stuff, like like my little mm-hmm. DACO yeah. stuff. And I directed a documentary, um, it, you know, when I was a teenager mm-hmm. that we shot on 16 millimeter and cut on 16 millimeter. Yeah. Um, and... I I was in this MTV video contest. Madonna oh, wow. challenged everybody. <laughs> she she was like, "Go ahead, make my video," and it was for the song "True Blue." Oh, wow. So we were we were top ten, and that Very was cool. a thrill. <laughs> but um, yeah, this was really the first.
0: Yeah, on a different scale.
1: Exactly, and that was due to you know FX being supportive and Mm -hmm. encouraging and i don't know if it was i always say that it was kind of exactly the right time Mm -hmm. for my show and me yeah and that if i had done it a year earlier it wouldn't have happened and if i had tried if i pushed it off for another year it wouldn't have happened Mm -hmm. it was just the right sweet spot you know um it was time for i i feel like my network wanted to support a female mm-hmm. filmmaker, and um, they took a gamble on me directing yeah. at was all. Was that
0: something that you went in with and said, you know, if I'm going to do this show, I want to direct?
1: I knew I, – I was afraid of it. Like, I didn't know that I could do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't that crazy to be so overconfident because I have so much to learn yeah. in everything I do. Um, so I just was like, okay, I'll direct – one or two, mm-hmm. season one. See how it goes. You know, but I, I mean, I was in there the whole time. And then, you know, just the rest is history, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah. I mean, as a showrunner and a director, you know, I've read about how your set is maybe different from others that you've been on or others that exist. Um, can you talk about that a little bit about how you've kind of tried to bring some, I guess, of your own? um priorities and and personality to the to the set that you yeah
1: i'm it the way I run my set is the way I was basically shaped as an actor mm-hmm. um and th- what I would have liked to have seen mm-hmm. um you know being just somebody who was there um and the way I can be of service is not have these crazy long days Mm -hmm. um, because that's really a nightmare. Like you, you just, a Friday turns into a Saturday. They call it a fratter day. And, you know, I remember I did an arc on Boston legal and the craft service was so, uh, you know, out of this world. It was like four hot pots going at one time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a fed crew is a happy crew. Mm -hmm. And I just, know that you have to be good to your crew and you have to be good to your actors and not take them for granted. And And so above all else, I'm a mommy. Yeah. So, you know, that my crew or my kids and and my, my actors, you know, are my gifts. And so I like to take care of them. Um, I just did an episode of a big, like, network show mm-hmm. and we spent an entire day shooting like one scene yeah and I was looking around going what the fuck like <laughs> really <laughs> we can do this and it was incredible and it yeah. felt like I was doing a play
0: mm-hmm. um, did it make you wish that you had that amount of time on your show or would you is it just a so different thing of
1: course there's that yeah but I also if I have some constraints then you know let's see what we do and am i really interested in in doing five thousand different angles and lenses on Mm -hmm. one setup not really yeah
0: that's not how you guys do it no we're like
1: run and gun and i like Mm -hmm.
0: that kind of gorilla yeah i've been i've visited a bunch of sets and it's usually you know if you're there for one day you see about you know 30 seconds of a scene. Yeah. Like I don't want
1: <laughs> exactly. I don't want to be sitting. I don't want my actors and I don't want to be sitting somewhere reading a book or mm. or like time is just ticking by and people aren't being utilized. Um, no.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you set out to do this show, were there things that you were thinking about like that you wanted to put on television that you hadn't seen on television?
1: I hadn't really seen you know my kind of lady mm-hmm. person represented on tv you know like somebody who was like uh middle-aged and not wearing like boutons and stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. like that like just being regular yeah um and uh i i guess i mean that was the gamble at first when it we were coming up with the concept for the show. I was like, oh, I can't be myself. I have to create something and, Mm
0: -hmm. and make
1: up some, you know, oh, I have a gay brother who lives in the back house. That'll be funny hijinks. And then, I have, um, you know, maybe I'm a manicurist and you know, what happened to the father of these girls? Did he, maybe he disappeared on a, on an Island, like a Newton John's <laughs> husband, you know, or I mean, these are all the things yeah.
0: and I'm trying to heighten it or make it a, exactly. a concept or yeah.
1: But you know, my dad was a writer and he always said, write what you know. Yeah. Um, and so if you, if you run away from the things that are close to you or make you uncomfortable, Uh, the writing's not going to resonate.
0: Coming up, how Pamela broke into the part of the entertainment industry that completely transformed her career. This episode of The Last Laugh is brought to you by my favorite CBD gum, Euphoric. Comedians, like so many of us, can be very anxious. Maybe they should try Euphoric, the innovated, patented, hemp oil-infused chewing gum. What makes Euphoric so special? Euphoric is not your average gum. It's actually an innovative patented delivery system. Euphoric combines powerful chewing benefits with the heavily researched benefits of full-spectrum hemp oil, which is rich in naturally occurring phytocannabinoids, including CBD. The long-lasting mint flavor and the consistency make it possible to chew it longer, which increases absorption in the mouth. In fact, euphoric hemp oil-infused chewing gum has the best absorption rate on the market, 84%. Compared to edibles like gummies and tinctures, even capsules, euphoric absorption rate is about 50% greater. This is because edibles have to pass through the digestive tract, which breaks down the ingredients and drastically reduces their absorption rate. Plus, the simple act of chewing has scientifically been shown to help improve memory, cognitive function, and oral health, and even reduce anxiety. That's why Euphoric is the best gum you'll ever chew. Euphoric is legal in all 50 states. It's gluten-free, sugar-free, non-GMO, and even supports dental health because it contains xylitol. You only need to try Euphoric once to see what all the fuss is about. To prove it, a limited supply of free trials have just been released nationwide. Just visit this website, lovethisgum.com, to claim your free trial today while supplies last. Again, that website is lovethisgum.com love this com. So mentioning your, your dad and you grew up in a, a showbiz family, right? Um, to yeah. some degree. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, were you kind of encouraged from an early age to go into, uh, acting or discouraged or how, how did that kind of play out for you?
1: You know, my parents were, uh, they never, uh, bar- said you can't do this. I, I, I literally like took out a phone book when I was, I don't know, 11. And I sat my parents down. And I said, I made an appointment with an agent. Mm-hmm. I want to get an agent. I want to act. And it was something that, you know, I really caught the bug from being on sound stages with my dad. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of people who are in our business, who may be actors or whatever, um, When I would say to them, you know, my kids want to act like my my oldest daughter Gideon's acting Mm -hmm. and Odessa, my middle daughter. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Rocky's good, too, but she I don't think she wants to do what her sisters (laughs) are doing. But people would say when the girls were little, oh, you're going to let them do that. And I would be like, why wouldn't I? Yeah. Um, A, I'd be a hypocrite because Mm -hmm. it's the business I'm in. And B, you want your kids to have passion you want Mm -hmm. your kids to
0: want to do things you don't want to shut down those those passions
1: exactly so um i would be like you anything you want to do have at. i have Mm -hmm. you know one line you know what i mean like the worst thing imaginable like nazi
0: porn or whatever that would be (laughs) my line the line yeah (laughs) um what were some of the earliest things that you did I, i i read that you did some early voiceover stuff with you on the radio with your, with your dad. Is that sort of how you got into uh you voiceover know, work?
1: It wasn't with my dad, mm-hmm. but it was with one of his, the, you know, workmate mm-hmm. cronies or something. And it was uh, a place that I look at almost every single day on Kuenga, And it used to be called a Burton bars company. Mm-hmm. And, you know where the overpass is and there's a whole tent city under there uh, yeah. as you're going up to the freeway and the, the Nipsey Russell, mm-hmm. the beautiful murals there. That was the building I did wow. my first <laughs> voiceovers. <laughs> and it was just because we came to California to visit and uh, barsman asked my dad, can your daughter do this voice? And I think I was nine years yeah. old
0: yeah and what was it the the voice
1: it was for the california aqueduct mm. and i had to be a valley girl which is hilarious <laughs> because i was a little girl were, from new york yeah. <laughs> but i had to like talk like this and i didn't even know that you know yeah. so
0: how did you know how to do that
1: uh i don't know <laughs> i don't know it was some kind of star man thing yeah. maybe
0: Um, You know, voiceover and animation has obviously been a huge part of your career. How did you get into animation for the first time?
1: I was dying to get into it because Mm -hmm. I was doing, like, a ton of radio. Yeah. My first animated show was Rugrats, you know, and I was a guest star. Classic.
0: Classic. I grew up watching Rugrats.
1: And it was—we did it at Klasky Chupo on Highland, Mm -hmm. which I think they still have the building with the murals on the side by the Little Red Schoolhouse. yeah. And I remember going there, and it was E.G. Daly, Cree Summer, Kath Susie, Christine Cavanaugh, rest in peace. Um, mm. And I would look around at them, and like back, would at, everyone
0: record together? The scenes? yeah,
1: well, we would record together and go in and out, but mm-hmm. we were there together, mm-hmm. and there was like no cell phones, so there was like a little green room where everybody hung out, and mm-hmm. and I looked at them, and I was like, this is it, yeah. I want to do this. <laughs> and um, I got so overexcited when I was able to do the the cartoons. Mm-hmm. And then I would go back to radio. I literally could not get my foot in the door with animation. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, I started doing the animation. And then I couldn't do the other thing. Yeah. It's either, you know, radio or animation.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: hard to do both. Yeah, for some reason. So, um, I started doing all of the the cartoons and and the
0: animation. What did you love about doing animation as opposed to doing, you know, on screen work? You know, it's just there's uh, there's an
1: ease to it. And you 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 take being self-conscious away. Of course, you could be self-conscious if you're in a room with like titans like Kevin Michael Richardson and Billy West and Jim Cummings. Um, you have to uh, bring it all, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So you can't be shy, uh, and you've got to be willing to try things, but, um, it just, there's a comfort to being in a dark (laughs) room and, um, you know, and you don't have to worry about anything. I mean, I, I went through all three of my pregnancies. Mm -hmm. I went through, (laughs) Um I I endured yeah. <clears throat> um you, while I was doing King of the Hill mm-hmm. plus multiple Disney shows um and was able to just keep working mm-hmm. through all of that. Yeah.
0: Um is there a when you look back at all of the animation that you've done is there sort of a a favorite voice or favorite character that you think about that you really Yeah, well, loved? it's Bobby hands yeah. down.
1: I was just wondering if you'd be my date to Joseph's party. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Alright. Come on, it'll be fun. Please? Please, 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 please. Connie, don't hang
0: up. He he's he's totally my favorite. <laughs> on on Better Things we find out that Sam was the voice of Rooster on Ching of the Mill. Yes! <laughs> and there's a there's more of that this season. Uh coming up uh, where there's possibly going to be a reboot and you don't know whether they're now they're you're not sure if you're going to get the part was that based on anything that happened in real life because I know there was talk of a King of the Hill reboot a couple years ago but I don't think yeah it, was, it hasn't happened and
1: I just I I, it was just there it was yeah. right for the picking <laughs> it was almost low-hanging fruit you know because I didn't... I mean, it's just... It's so lazy because mm-hmm. last year I had um, Manish say, I know who you are. I know you, I, you're you Rooster and Ching of the Mill and <laughs> I love that show. And I, like, wrote that as a placeholder as, yeah. <laughs> in the script and I thought, oh, I'm going to make up another... Yeah, can't be And that. so we went with it and so then um, I love that scene. That's one of my favorites and there's an Easter egg. There's a couple of Easter eggs in that mm-hmm. scene. I don't want to tip it, but... Yeah.
0: Um and Mike Judge, well there you go. You yeah. just tipped it, t- it. No, that was the Easter egg. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was really fun, and he was totally game to yeah. do that. And um, I just was like, I, I know Jeffrey Nordling like had all this dialogue, and I never thought Mike would come down to mm-hmm. do this scene, just stick his head in. Yeah. Um, and so I just like, you know how we say ship in between takes. You know, like, hey, I'm I, i I'm getting a vasectomy, whatever. And he just ran with it and then he made up that whole thing. And yeah. so uh, it's something for the animation yeah. nerds.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, in the show, your character is very excited about the prospect of a reboot of the show. Yeah. Is that how you would feel in, in real life? Uh, on the yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. You would do it.
1: Of course. I mean, that, that show is, is a huge part. Of my my story, mm-hmm. you know, and um, my uh, just um, putting food on my table.
0: Mm-hmm. What did you What did you learn working with Mike Judge? Because he's such a prolific uh, guy as well, and has done so much different kind of stuff. And
1: you don't have to do just one thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I feel like that that's the thing that when I was coming up. Um, I was very myopic in terms of what I thought I could do professionally. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody had just kind of, you know, pressed me, um, I wouldn't have been just sitting on my thumbs waiting for the phone to ring for an acting job. Mm -hmm. Um, Later on in my father's life, um, he was the first person who ever put the term reinventing yourself in my brain yeah he was doing that in his life he was going and he was teaching he was doing story writing workshops and he would go to uh different places and teach people how to write their story and um you know my dad was a um A writer and a producer, but he also wrote books and comics when I was growing up. And my mother did a whole bunch of things. She supported us while my dad was trying to get Mm -hmm. paid as a writer. So I really came from people who were um, juggling many different uh, plates in terms of uh, what they could do and different abilities.
0: So what have been the times in your career that you've had to reinvent yourself? Um...
1: I when I was <clears throat> there was a significant point when I had my kids mm-hmm. and I thought I don't know if King of the Hill is going to run forever mm-hmm. and I should probably get back out there. Yeah. And so that's when um I started I think a turning point for me was the show Unscripted.
0: Oh yeah. I love that show.
1: It was great. And so it was, you know, Grant and George, my friends, and Mm -hmm. they did the show with Steven Soderbergh. And it was kind of like a head-cracking open moment where I was like, wait, you don't run out of film? (laughs) Like, I'd been out of it for that long. Um, And I, I was able to do that. And then I just... I knew I, I've always had a work ethic and the most important thing is keep working, mm-hmm. keep providing. And so, um I think that came from the fact that my dad was when he turned fifty, basically the lights went out in terms of people wanting to hire him. Yeah. Because he went through ageism as a, a male writer.
0: Yeah which if he's going to go through that then you probably had fears about going through that yourself yes, exactly. in this industry. Um did unscripted kind of lead to californication in a way or
1: I think so because yeah, californication was a, was a big turning point for me too yeah. as was bed of roses. Mhm. Um you know, these were all like kind of the the things that kept my little Jenga pile with all the pieces of butt. <laughs> bad metaphor <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah californication was a big deal because uh, that year i remember i did david e kelly put me in this show called wedding bells mm-hmm. and um then he wrote me into this arc on boston legal and californication i was supposed to be in the pilot and that was it yeah. and then tom tom capinos kept writing for me Mm -hmm. and it was what a gift yeah um and it was it was a huge that was a huge turning point for me like Mm -hmm. oh i'm i'm here i'm playing with the big boys now you know
0: up next we look back at some more highlights from pamela's prolific career including a darkly hilarious story about her time on the red fox show and the years she spent working closely with louis ck so I want to go back now a little bit and talk about some of your earlier uh, credits that we that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about yet Hilarious. and um see if there's a story or or memory that kind of pops to mind. So um I think we have to start with Greece too, which is your first movie role, 1982, right? Yeah. Um so that what what uh when you think about that experience, uh what what do you think about? It's
1: so funny because everybody talks about it now, <laughs> which is amazing to me. So there's this whole like, you know, thing like the people who love Greece too and mm-hmm. then the people who love Greece. And yeah. you know, I grew up with Greece and I couldn't believe that I was cast in Greece too. Um and basically the years after we did it, I just felt like shame because people were like, It's the worst movie ever. Yeah. And how dare you and everything and I was like, oh shit, but I had the best time of my life. Yeah. I was like out of my mind. Mm-hmm. And um, and now we could all be proud of it. I know the songs are unbelievable by Louis St. Louis, mm-hmm. you know, I just, th- I think it's great. I think it's great. So uh, I'm very proud to be in these two. <laughs> my first movie. Yeah. But it's pretty late. I think I better walk you home. Oh, I don't need a babysitter. Okay. Why don't you think of it as a date? Okay. Well, why didn't you say so in the first place? Come on. You know, when I'm in the 12th grade, I know I'm going to be the head of the Pink Ladies.
0: You had a recurring uh, role in her, on the, the Red Fox show, which mm-hmm. is fascinating. So do you have any good Red Fox stories? Yeah.
1: <laughs> do I have <laughs> any good Red Fox stories? I have so many. Okay. Um I auditioned for that show in drag as Paul Siegel. Mm-hmm. My hair was completely cut off and I looked like
0: a dude because they were trying to cast, they were a, trying a boy. to cast a boy. Yeah.
1: And so I taped my, my breasts down with like an ACE bandage and, um, I went into each phase, uh, and like the, the producers would shake my hand. Like mm-hmm. I was a young man and, um And I went to network as Paul Siegel. That was my name. And I stayed away from the other guys that I was auditioning with. Mm-hmm. There were five. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to give myself away. And then... Um,
0: Whose idea was it to do this? The, yours, you know, or?
1: this was uh, my agent at the time um, and Bob Gersh and uh, Barbara Miller, mm-hmm. who was the head of casting. I think it was Lorimar. But I had just done some stuff where I think I'd done an episode of night court where I was like Mm cross-dressed not cross. Yeah. But I was trying to fool everybody. Yeah. There was a whole phase of my life (laughs) where it, Oh, I had done this movie called something special. Yeah. And I played a girl who, um, throws a crystal at the eclipse and I wake up and I have a penis because I really want to be a Mm. guy. Yeah. And so because I'd done that movie, um they thought I should do this so I went basically got the job <laughs> and red always was like I always knew you was a girl <laughs> like he was not having it but um we had an amazing time and then I think that uh th- that red and everybody got too spooked that I was like this this little white girl who would be like hanging out with him in his apartment and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like it so was creepy. Yeah, like that would be problematic <laughs> um, once my gender was revealed. Yeah. And so then I got replaced by Sinbad. Oh wow! And well, I would make a of joke. all the
0: people to be replaced by. I
1: know. <laughs> and I would say for years and years he gets all my parts. <laughs> so I ran into him one day at yeah. uh, like a mall, and I was like, "Yo." I just want to say hi. But still, it was devastating to be um, told that I wasn't coming back and I was fired. And that's one of those I've been fired moments of Mm -hmm. my life that helped kind of shape me and create better things. Yeah.
0: is there? I feel like we still didn't get a good Red Fox story, though. So is there anything else that comes to mind on that? Oh,
1: my God. (laughs) There are so many. Uh, I'm going to keep a lot of them out of it. But one was that... Um, I was in his trailer with him and we were watching the space shuttle take off hmm. and I didn't realize it had exploded. Oh, the
0: Challenger? Yeah. Wow.
1: And uh, because you didn't know... like, What was how- happening, yeah. Yeah, and so... Um, okay, here's one great red story. He would say, You got the best teeth. I'll pay you $7 million if you let me suck your teeth. <laughs> Don't have $7 million, Prince. And he had this guy, Prince uh, Rogers. uh, I forget Prince's last name, but he was- Not Prince Prince. No. He was like (laughs) his his man, Jerome, who was with him all the time. And he was a a famous tap dancer. Mm -hmm. And he would say- Tell her, I got $7 million. million. Open my safe. He would basically (laughs) offer me $7 million to suck my teeth. Suck
0: your teeth. I've never heard that one before. He loved my teeth. Wow. That's Mm -hmm. something. Is it true that you auditioned for Friends? We all did. Everybody did? Every single one (laughs) of us.
1: Everybody who's my age and 10 years uh, earlier and 10 years later, we all auditioned for Friends. Yeah.
0: What do you remember about the, the audition? I don't remember
1: anything about it. I remember being at, at uh, NBC and, you know, kind of just, it was like we were all there. Mm-hmm. And it was just a show. It was just yeah. another show like every other show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But David Schwimmer got, got it and, and he and I went to high school together. Oh, so that was kind of cool. fun. cool. And now my daughter, it's like Jesus to her. It's unbelievable. My youngest daughter. Friends uh, or David yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, And I know so many episodes and it's on in my house so much yeah. and it makes me laugh so hard mm-hmm. and it's just, you know, uh, we have a friend staying with us from Copenhagen and she knows the show inside and out. And yeah. It's just it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's kind of incredible.
0: Yeah. Uh, so. One more thing on King of the Hill is that you you won an Emmy for your uh, voice work on that show. Um, so what was what was the experience like of uh, of winning an Emmy? And I believe it was for the, uh, the "That's My Purse" episode, which is a very famous uh, yeah. episode. Give
1: me your purse now. That's my purse. Don't be afraid to shout it. That's my purse. Try it again. That's my purse. I don't know you. Oh, oh. Well, I was very pregnant. Yeah, and one of the producers, Joe Boucher, called me and he said, um, "Pam, you won an Emmy." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, you won an Emmy. We won an Emmy." And I was like, "How do we know?"
0: Yeah, because they just kind of announce it for he those said, categories. Well,
1: or? it was a it's a juried award,
0: oh, okay. so it's a
1: peer group award, and. So I was like, that's amazing. Congratulations. And he said, no, 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 you won an Emmy, you for voice person. And I was like, what? So then I went to the Emmys and, um, it was just kind of an amazing, incredible experience to, I I was super pregnant and I had to go to the bathroom and there was no order in how they did it. Mm -hmm. So I was terrified to miss it. And, um, I remember, I think Cloris Leachman handed me my Emmy. Wow. And I'm, she's my hero, yeah. idol. And then backstage, um, Diedrich Bader was backstage, and he just looked at me and he said, this is so cool. This is so cool. <laughs> and Diedrich and I have worked together for years and years, and... I looked at him and I thought one day I'm going to work with him and I'm going to put him in something. Yeah. And now I got to. He's so
0: great in the show, especially in this season. He he gets to do some, some really great work. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. do want to just briefly touch on Louie, the show because okay. it's a show that I love and I think your work on it as an actor and a writer was fantastic. And Thank I think you. it's clearly had some influence on better things. Yep. Um, so when you think about that show and that experience, kind of how do you, what do you think about it now?
1: I learned so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it was for me uh, the biggest kind of crash course in what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like run and gun and get things going and being able to be in scenes and direct scenes and um, it, it was it, it was an incredible. Um, master class for mm-hmm. me, yeah. you know, because in terms of writing, which people would not imagine, I learned so much from King of the Hill
0: mm-hmm.
1: in terms of, you you wouldn't think that my show Better Things has to do with that, but it's like the air and the spaces that would be in that show. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it definitely shaped
0: me. hmm there's a scene from last season of Better Things that reminded me of something on Louie, and it's the one where you're in the car with the with the husband of your friend, and he tries to kiss you and you kind of shut him down with that long no 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 no, which is just a fabulous scene. No! No,
1: no, 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 Jeff. No, 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 Jeff! No! 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 Jeff! No, Jeff!
0: It reminded me of the scene in Louie where he tries to kiss you, and it kind of plays out very differently. So is, were oh. you thinking about that at all, or was it—is there a relationship between those two not scenes? A,
1: n- not not at all, because uh, Louie and I wrote the no Jeff, no scene— together Mm. so that didn't even come up it just that was the way we kind of um beat out the scene
0: so you kind of collaborated on both of those scenes, Uh, then yeah yeah Yeah. um what what was the in terms of the one from better things what was the sort of idea behind behind that scene or what were you trying to say
1: it was you know it was born from uh jeff being kind to sam Mm -hmm. and the fact that um you know they're in this small intimate space and they're he's kind of an outcast and she's the only person who's been nice to him and he turns it around and he's being nice to her and they kind of lean into each other mm-hmm. and Sam snaps out of it yeah. and so it's it's her saying no to both of them mm-hmm. to herself yeah. and to to Jeff and there there are so many no's in the scene, and it's not written that way mm-hmm. just because I wanted to cover it from every angle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we shot it in this beautiful international truck, and the back window looks like a TV. So yeah. I had to cover the fuck out of it from mm-hmm. there, and then from the driver's side, each side. And my editor, Deb Simone... She threw almost all of them into the cut. Yeah,
0: it goes on for much longer than you than you're expecting. <laughs>
1: it, it, I mean, it's not scripted that way, yeah. and so I sat and watched it with her, and I was dying. I was rolling, and um, we delivered it the way mm-hmm. she cut it, and then the note from the network was like, maybe a little. <laughs> it's the tonnage of the nose. Yeah, and so we took some of them out, but they really let us keep it heavy. And then now the scene's iconic. Yeah. But it's just, it was like the perfect storm of knowing that Cromer was going to be able to to slay mm-hmm. because his eyeballs, his eyes under my hand <laughs> is the funniest thing in the world. And then just doing, having all the different colors and no, 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 yeah. you know, all of mm-hmm. that. And then uh, The Secret Sauce, my
0: editor, uh, delivering just this beautiful cut mm-hmm. um in terms of the scene from louis is there anything if you had to do that over again would you do it any differently because i know it got a lot of attention at the time and then more attention and um no i wouldn't no. do it differently yeah Mm-mm. you feel like it, it is what it is and yeah. just telling that story that you absolutely. Wanted to absolutely yeah okay. i'm proud of that scene um looking ahead uh you have Two movies at South by Southwest, which mm-hmm. we are all be, so I'm hoping to see both of them. Um, King of Staten Island. Yeah. And Holler. Yes. Uh, with Jessica Barden, who's in uh, this season as well of Better Things. Um, yes. Can you just talk a little bit about those two movies and kind of what what to, what to people can expect from them? <laughs> um, I don't...
1: You know, I kind of... I think I'm going to be surprised myself. Really, Yeah, but um, two completely different experiences mm-hmm. um both great uh i was so excited to work with judd mm-hmm. and pete Yeah, and um my Do you have
0: scenes with pete davidson
1: yeah my scenes are with pete and bill burr oh, who wow. i fell in love with yeah and that must have been fun yeah it was just it was a singular experience to be In Staten Island with Pete Davidson. (laughs) It was like being at Disneyland with Mickey Mouse and just like, you know, that's, I mean, he's the face of Staten Island Mm -hmm. and he's very, very sweet. yeah, Um, Really kind. um, And we just played and Judd, you know, has, uh, I think that he and I, not to, compliment myself but we work in the same kind of Mm -hmm. way we trust actors
0: we'll talk about keep the keep the camera rolling and see what happens right
1: exactly and um so uh that was great i really uh i really enjoyed doing that and uh, i would exchange recipes with the teamster who drove me in (laughs) every day to work and um then doing holler was uh so out of my wheelhouse because I had to go to Chillicothe Chillicothe Ohio mm-hmm. which I have no reference to that and I went from New Orleans in February oh yeah to Ohio and um, it was incredible and um, Jess I didn't know anything about her my my daughters were really kind of into uh, the idea of me working with her because they know the end of the fucking world yeah and she was she was amazing, and uh, I mean, I couldn't believe this, like, this little sex
0: pistol girl from, you know, like, she's like a rude yeah.
1: boy, <laughs> was playing this American. Yeah, it was, I, I
0: can't wait to see that, because her accent is, like, such a big part of who, how I think about her, um, see, so it should be interesting. It
1: just, yeah. It should be very interesting. So this was a long time ago, and I don't remember much of mm-hmm. the movie, but I remember I wanted to do it because Nicole Regal is um, an ex. I think she's Army. She's a vet, mm-hmm. and she's a female filmmaker, and um, it was just something that I I knew I wanted to do. So, um, yeah, it's crazy. And is that how you ended it. up
0: putting Jessica in your show? Yeah. Yeah,
1: because she came to L.A. and I was like, come over and have dinner. And then that night when she was in my house, I was like, oh,
0: I'm putting this bitch in my show. Yeah, (laughs) she's great. Um, So we end every episode by asking uh, who is a comedian or person that you've worked with or someone who makes you laugh the hardest? Um, There's certain people that I don't ever want to work with again because it's painful.
1: Bradley Whitford is one of them <laughs> uh I did an episode of monk with him mm-hmm. and i I oh it was painful
0: painful yeah he's just cracking jokes the whole time on he, on set. he's
1: just naturally funny yeah he's brilliantly funny um you know like I was saying Kevin Pollak Greg Cromer mm-hmm. um uh people that I just um are nutrition to me are like People like Kristen Wigg, I think she's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, she just makes me happy. Yeah. You know? Will Farrell, I did a series with him and um it was it was the oblongs. He played my dad. Oh yeah. I was very pregnant with my third daughter, Rocky, <laughs> and um you you just when you're around yeah. people. So you were in who, the
0: studio recording with him? Or, yes. Yeah. What was that like?
1: It's just like a next level thing, you know, because, you know, their voices just work. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it, it, it's, you, you just know that it's, it, it's kind of, um, it goes above the material. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, I just worked with Sterling K. Brown and we, we were just dying, dying laughing. <laughs> just when somebody's open to mm-hmm. to you. And your your sense of humor, and you just kind of uh, um, you get like you shimmer together, you know, and yeah. and you shimmer when you're around certain people.
0: Well, thank you so much for doing the show thank today, you, um, and man. congratulations on the new season of Better Things. It's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much to Pamela Adlon for being my guest on today's show. Season four of Better Things will premiere Thursday, March 5th on FX. As I said in the intro, this is going to be our last episode for a bit, but we will be back with some really great guests very soon, so make sure you are subscribed and watch this feed. And if you are newer to The Last Laugh, now would be a great time to go back into the archives listen to some episodes you may have missed. We've had some incredible guests over the past year that you are definitely gonna to want to check out. If you like this show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at thedailybeast.com. And if you're not already please follow at last laugh Pod on Instagram. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch for Starburns Audio and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you very soon.